Let's stand up. Let's pray. Let's get right the word of God here this morning. Father, we thank you for the word of God. As I come to teach today, I make it known that I'm not trusting or depending on limited human abilities to teach, but I am trusting in you. Therefore, I know without doubt that you anoint my mind that I might grasp revelation that will rise in abundance from my heart within. I thank you for supernatural recall of the scripture, and I believe that your word will flow from my mouth smoothly accurately, clearly, without hindrance from anything, carried by your anointing, your power, and your love to each person's mind under the sound of my voice, bringing understanding and removing confusion, and that your will enter every heart, causing faith to rise and fear to leave, and we'll be careful to give you all the praise, the honor, and the glory for all this revealed and accomplished through your word and by your spirit here today in Jesus' name, and all those who love the Lord said, Amen. Praise God. You may be seated. And uh, all of you watching online, praise God. Talk to us. Let us know if you're enjoying the service. And if you are, my name is Dr. Theo. If you're not, my name is Pastor Luke. (laughs) Or Dr. Peter, one of the two. All right. We're studying the life of Bible heroes, the life of Bible heroes, and um, we've looked at David, we've looked at Esther, Queen Esther, and today we're looking at Daniel, a mighty man of God. Daniel was a worshiper. We're going to see the results of worship in his life, how powerful the effect of worship is when we do worship God. And... um, so I would like to start off this morning, before we get into the life of Daniel, just give you a little glimpse of why we're looking at the Old Testament, and also to give you an understanding of the power of worship. Let's start with Exodus 9, verse 13. Exodus 9, and verse 13. This is going to greatly encourage you this morning. Then the Lord said to Moses... Get up early in the morning, confront the Pharaoh, and say to him, This is what the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, says. Let my people go, so that they may worship me. All right, God spoke to Moses at the burning bush. And he said, I want you to go and speak to Pharaoh, who's holding three million Israelites, Jews, in slavery, I want you to tell them, tell him to let my people go. Now, why would he want to let them go? So they can be free, so they can be happy, so they can live on their own and not be slaves anymore. There could be millions of reasons. But the reason he said was, so they can come worship me. That, I think, is very important. So they can come and worship me. I want to take them out of slavery so they can worship me. Now, that is a type and a shadow for us in the new covenant. That's Old Testament. Before the cross, we are after the cross. We are not to ignore that because what happened to them specifically happened to them so that we'd have lessons to learn from. Now, you can see that in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 6. These things or these events happened to the Israelites in the Old Testament as a warning to us. It happened to them. Why? To warn us so that we would not crave evil things as they did. Now, skip down to verse 11. These events happened to them, the Israelites, as examples for us. So what they went through, they went through to give us an example. They were written down to warn us who live at the time when this age is drawing to a close, which is right now. So what happened to them happened to them to teach us. Wow. 
You see, we are the substance. This is substance. Substance costs the shadow. The shadow is the Old Testament events. The substance is the New Testament. We in the New Testament are the substance that cast the shadow. The shadow comes before we get to the substance. If you're walking into the sunshine and it's in front of you, the sun rise, the shadow of things comes before the substance of the thing. God delivered us from Satan's kingdom so that we could come out and worship God. So that I got saved, God led me to salvation, so that I'd be free to worship Him. So if I'm not worshiping God, then I'm really not fulfilling my primary purpose. Of course, we have many reasons to worship God. But if God did not draw us to salvation, we'd, not, we'd be on our way to hell. No man comes to the Son unless the Father draws him. That's what the Bible said. So if God did not draw us, we'd be on our way to the fires of hell. Now think about this. What could be more tragic for any man than to leave his body and find himself descending down after death? Everybody thinks they're going to heaven. All the unsaved. When they go to a funeral and you listen to them, oh, he's in a better place now. The worst kind of person ever. But now he's in a wonderful place. Oh, how great. May he rest in peace. He's not resting anywhere. No rest for him, no. How tragic for a man's spirit to start descending and he realizes I'm going the wrong way. Wow. Knowing that he will be there eternally with no way of escape. It's now too late to repent. There's nothing he can do. His last chance has passed him by. Let us worship God. He saved us. He deserves our worship. Let's be worshipers. We should love worshiping. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 15. All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Now watch that. All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people, God's grace brings salvation, more and more people will cause thanksgiving. So it says, God pours out His grace, so people will thank Him for their salvation. Can we see that? Say, God pours out His grace to cause praise and thanksgiving. God chooses worshipers. We learned that two weeks ago in the life of David. Just to refresh your memory, God sent Nathan the prophet to Jesse's house to go and anoint one of his sons to be king. They lined up all his sons and forgot about David, a little 17-year-old boy out in the meadows feeding, take care of the sheep. Not one of those brothers remembered David. The father never, the mother never. But God sent the prophet there to find David because God wants a worshiper to be king took him from the sheepfold and put him on the throne, anointed him to be king. God knows where to find his worshipers, and promotion comes to the worshiper. Jesus said the same thing, John 4, 23. A time is coming and now has come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. So this, God seeks worshippers. God is spirit and His, and His worshippers must worship Him in spirit and in truth. The New Living Translation says it this way. 
The Father is looking for anyone who will worship Him that way. He's looking for wholehearted worshipers, sincere, all-in worshipers. God dwells in the praises of His people. Psalm, 23, Psalm 22, verse 3. Yet thou art holy, O thou, who art enthroned. Hang on. Go back. I'm going to start the scripture. Psalm 22, verse 3. From the, um, let's go back to King James translation first. Sorry. All right. Yep, we're there. But thou art holy, O thou, that inhabit the praises of Israel. It says that God inhabits the praises of his people. What's that mean? The word inhabit means to dwell in, settle down in, take up residence in. God comes to visit and dwell with those who worship him. You see, God is everywhere present, but he's not always manifesting his presence. When God manifests his presence... That means we can actually tangibly, physically feel His presence. So God is saying He comes and manifests Himself to those who worship Him. It says He takes up residence. He'll come live with us in a manifest presence way. In other words, people, when they get close to you, will feel God's presence on you. Manifest presence. Because you're a worshiper. Now, the New American Standard said it this way. Yet thou art holy, O thou who art enthroned upon the praises of Israel. Thou art enthroned. That means God sets up his throne. In the midst of those who praise him in his praises. So when you praise God, God sets up his throne in your praises. So if God sets up his throne in your presence, in your praises, that means God has been given freedom to rule and to reign on your behalf and to change circumstances on your behalf. Now you'll see that. In the life of Daniel. He's a worshiper. So God changed circumstances for Daniel because of his worship. Because God sets up his throne in the presence of his worshipers and rules on their behalf. Are you tracking me, church? So I recommend everybody come to church early and wholeheartedly worship God during the worship service. It's so encouraging for me to sit there and look out across the crowd and see people all in with their worship. Amen. And that blesses God no end. Amen. So once again, God promotes and exalts worshipers. We can see that now in the life of Daniel. Let's talk about Daniel. So Daniel was a man who spent much time with God and much time in worship. And mighty angels appeared to Daniel. Mighty angels appeared to Daniel because of it. A remarkable man. The things that happened in his life because he was a worshiper. For example, Daniel prophesied the birth of Jesus hundreds of years before Jesus came. Daniel prophesied and saw the life of Jesus as he walked the earth, he prophesied it and saw it. Daniel saw and prophesied the death of Jesus. He lived a long time before Jesus walked the earth. Daniel saw and prophesied the resurrection of Jesus. And hold on to your seat, because Daniel saw and prophesied the coming of the Antichrist. In all of the details. All the details. And Daniel saw and prophesied 
the different Gentile empires from his day forward until this day, right up to the time of the rule of the Antichrist as a one-man kingdom. One-man king and one-man kingdom. He saw it all and prophesied it all. And he saw the time of the end of the Gentiles and their empires. The time of the end of the Gentiles and the time of the Jews taking over again. Daniel prophesied the return of Jesus to the earth for a thousand years. Saw it. Wow. Incredible. Daniel prophesied the end time judgment of the world. All that in the book of Daniel. That's what happened. Because you see, the worshiper lives in two dimensions. The worshiper can see out at the spirit realm. And God can show them the future. Dave us, uh, Daniel gave us insight into the angelic and demonic activity in the atmosphere around us. Daniel saw what happens in the angelic and demonic activity around us in the atmosphere. He saw it, and it's in his book, and you learn so much from that. And from that, we learn that we have authority over the powers of darkness. And Jesus confirmed that in Matthew 18, 18. Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Whatever you allow, heaven will allow. Whatever you do not allow, heaven will not allow. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth, concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by the Father in heaven. So if you and your wife agree on something and say, we agree that this is it, heaven backs you. Heaven backs you up and heaven says it's a done deal. Now, King Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. And he called his wise men, he called his magicians. I don't know, there might have been two dozen of them. And he called them all together, had a meeting, and he said, now look, guys. I had this incredible dream, and I want to know what it means. So what I want you to do is I want you to tell me what I dreamt. Now, I've had many people come to me and say, Apostle Theon, I had a dream. Can you tell me what this dream means? And they tell me their dream. But I've never had somebody come to me and say, tell me what I dreamt. That's a whole new ball game. Another level, right? And then he said, if you can't tell me my dream, I'm going to fire you. No, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to execute you. How's that one? If you don't tell me what I dreamt, you're a dead goose. You're all going to die. Oi, yoy, yoy. So, and he's a king, he can do that. Since Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were among those wise men, they were also going to be executed. Then Daniel learned about this decision. He went to God in prayer. Now, that's the best thing to do. When bad news comes, don't run around like a chicken that's had his head cut off. I told you last week, when I grew up as a child, my grandparents had chickens, and every now and again, they would go and cook one. My grandmother would go out there, grab a chicken, cut its head off, and turn it loose. And it would run around. It wouldn't just lie down there and flap. It would run. No head. The funniest thing to see. It would run everywhere, in all directions. And other chickens would dive out the way. <laughs> Blood squirting everywhere. <laughs> Reminds me of the little boy who had a dog and he gave it gasoline to drink. Gas, you know, from, from the car. So it, the dog ran around, ran around the house just like that and then lay down. 
Just didn't move. Didn't breathe. Nothing. Just lay down. So his friend said, so what happened to your dogs? Are dead? He says, no, he just ran out of gas. So this chicken takes off. Now, that's what happens to people. When bad news comes, they take off like that chick with no head. They stop to think which way to go, pray. What's that? <laughs> no, the thing is to do is go alone and pray, family. Get alone. Fast and pray if you have to. Daniel 2 verse 12. So, then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends. Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah. He urged them to plead for mercy for the God of heaven concerning this matter. Let's ask God for mercy and grace that I may know what this king dreamt. So that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. So Daniel goes alone that night, and he's praying and worshiping God all night long. Then he goes to sleep, and this is what happens. Verse 19, during the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven. He had a vision. What did he see? He saw what Daniel dreamt about, what uh, King Nebuchadnezzar dreamt about. He saw a great giant statue made up of different materials, representing different empires going forward from that time, still to come. God showed the king the future, but he didn't understand what he was looking at. But God showed Daniel what the king saw and the explanation, the meaning of the dream as well. So not only did he understand what he saw, but he knew what it meant. So he comes and he tells the king what he saw. Now look at Daniel 2, verse 28. I would like you to turn to Daniel if you don't mind your Bible. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. He has shown King Nebuchadnezzar, he's talking to the king, what will happen in the days to come. He's shown the king what will happen in the days to come. But I would like to point out something very interesting here. Notice that Daniel gives God all the glory for revealing this knowledge to him. Right in the beginning he says, but there is a God in heaven. This is what he tells the king. There's a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. He has shown the king. He has shown the king the future. So Daniel gives God all the glory, right? Said so that if I give God glory, then I will always be blessed. At the end of the explanation... When Daniel's done telling the king what he dreamt and what it means, King Nebuchadnezzar <clears throat> does something very strange, very surprising. So you can imagine the king is sitting on his throne, right? Here comes Daniel, stands before him. The king knows who Daniel is. He knows who he is. Here comes this little Hebrew boy standing in front of him, this Hebrew man, rather. And he tells the king the dream and what it meant. And the king falls, not falls, yeah, he falls. He falls off of his throne, flat on the floor, on his face. On his face. He doesn't lie down, he falls. Watch this. Daniel 2, 46. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell prostrate before Daniel. Fell prostrate. Now for a king to humble himself like that, he's, he's in charge of a massive empire. 
and he falls off the throne on the floor in front of Daniel. That's to acknowledge the greatness of Daniel and Daniel's God. The king humbles himself. And he lies on the floor and he says, And the king Nebuchadnezzar fell prostrate before Daniel, paid him honor, and ordered that an offering and incense be pre presented to Daniel. The king said to Daniel, Surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you are able to reveal this mystery. So here is a heathen king who changes his whole position and, 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 and begins to worship the true God and turns the whole kingdom to worship the true God. So this, this one man and his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Abednego, prayed, sought God in a time of crisis, backs against the ropes, no way out, they're all going to die, and God changes everything in their favor and changes the whole kingdom in the process. Verse 48. Then the king placed Daniel in a high position and lavished him with many gifts or many gifts on him and made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge of all its wise men. He took off his signet ring, put it on Daniel's hand, and said, Daniel, you run the kingdom. I'm going to relax. Take over. Whatever you say goes. The same thing happened to Mordecai when Queen Esther was queen. Right? The same thing happened to Joseph. The same thing. Joseph was taken out of prison to the palace put in charge. He was a worshiper. David went one night when he was receiving a harvest for the bad seed he'd sown when he murdered Uriah and committed adultery with Bathsheba, Uriah's wife, and killed some of his other mighty men. Galatians 6, 7 says, whatever man sows, that he shall surely reap. The harvest of David's bad sin is coming down on him. His son, Absalom, has got the entire army of Israel hunting David down. David goes alone to the forests of Ephraim, a night with God in prayer and worship. And God turns the harvest that David's due to receive, justly to receive, stops that harvest and puts David back on the throne. God turned Mordecai's captivity, doomed to die with all the Jews. And Haman, the man who plotted it, ends up dying on the gallows he built for Mordecai. The same thing. It's the same principle, family. They were worshippers, and, and they got along with God. And God changed the kingdom every time. Changed the kingdom for David. For Daniel, for Mordecai and Esther, and for Joseph. The same principles. And the astounding thing about this, too, the astounding thing about this is, this wasn't an accident. It wasn't a one-off experience with David, with um, Daniel. This happened to Daniel three times. Three times, three different kings. Daniel in his lifetime had the pleasure of serving three different kings. And the same thing happened to each king. After King Nebuchadnezzar was passed or passed on, King Darius took over the kingdom and he was an evil man. So in Daniel chapter 6, we see that the administrators... And the princes became jealous of Daniel and his ability and his success. 
as he served now just one of the administrators in this new kingdom of Darius. He had to start all over again. So they searched for a fault in the way Daniel was handling his affairs, trying to find anything to criticize Daniel by. Daniel was over 80 years old at this time, and he was working for King Darius, who was an ungodly king, no character, no integrity. And Daniel was one of his administrators. Dan was working alongside every day a lot of heathens who did not believe in God. But Daniel attracted the king's attention by the way he worked. The king could not hope, uh, could not avoid noticing Daniel. Daniel was always first to work, last to leave, worked faithfully and diligently, didn't stop, talk, 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 talk. He did his job all day long. Whatever the king gave him to do, he did it with all his heart. And so his colleagues could not find anything wrong to charge him with in his conduct. No corruption, no negligence. He was trustworthy. Finally, they started looking at his spiritual life. And they saw that he worshipped God three times a day. He used to open his window towards Jerusalem and worship God. So they plotted a plan and went to the king and said, Dear king, we want you to pass this law that no one can worship God for 30 days. No one can ask God a question for 30 days. No one can ask anybody a question for 30 days. No one can worship anybody, any God, for 30 days, except you. Except you. Now, this Doris, as I said, was a heathen. So he signed this law. Look at this, Daniel 6 6. So the administrators and the princes went to the king and said, Long live King Darius. We administrators, prefects, princes, advisors, and other officials have unanimously, 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 Agree that your majesty should make a law that will strictly enforce, that you will strict or will be strictly enforced. Give orders that for the next 30 days, anyone who prays to anybody, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the lion's den. So King Darius signed this law. Didn't think about it, he just signed it. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with its windows open toward Jerusalem. Yeah. Comes back. Well, let me keep this microphone handy. If it goes off again, I'm going to use this one, Patrick, okay? Where was our reading? Verse, verse 10. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home, knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with his windows open toward Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, just as he'd always done, giving thanks to God. Okay. So, everybody knew that Daniel was a worshiper. Everybody knew. Everybody knew, even the king knew, that Daniel was a worshiper. Now, today, we have secret worshippers. Secret worshippers, like secret agent men. These secret worshippers, no one knows that they worship. In fact, not even God knows. Not even God knows. But Daniel was openly worshipping God. 
And so this came to the king's news, or this news came to the king, <laughs> that Daniel worshipped God, and immediately the king realized, these guys planned this, so I'd throw Daniel at the lion's den. So he figured that out right away. So listen to the words of the king before Daniel is thrown into the lion's den. Go to Daniel 6 verse 16. You've got to see this in your Bible. The king says to Daniel, May your God, whom you worship continually, rescue you. So the king knows he's a worshiper. May your God, whom you worship, not once in a while, continually rescue you. He loved Daniel. He appreciated him. So Daniel was thrown into the lion's den. Go down to verse 19. The very early, very early the next morning, before sunrise, the king hurried out to the lion's den. So before the sun came up, the king's right there. Now you can imagine this. There's a big hole in the ground. It's sealed over. It's a den. Trap door on the top. And when he got there, he called out through the trap door in anguish. He stressed out, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God whom you worship continually able to rescue you from the lions? Whom you worship continually. The second time he said it. Second time. The king said it. You worship God continually. So Daniel calls up from the den. He says, long live the king. Yes, my God was able to protect me and delivered me from the lions. And as we know, Daniel was taken out of the lion's den. And all those that accused Daniel were thrown into the lion's den. And there must have been at least two dozen of these people. Daniel 6.24. The lions leapt on them and tore them apart before they even hit the floor of the den. So before all these men hit the floor, they were eaten. They were eaten in the air leapt on them and tore them apart before they even hit the floor. Hmm. Those lions were hungry. That's for sure. So these hungry lions did not touch Daniel. I guess they saw the angels of the Lord. And that night, if it, whether it's winter or not, I don't know, but maybe if it was winter, Daniel had a nice, warm, cozy, furry tummy to lie on. And some nice hot breath as his warm aircon to keep him warm. And he said, well, had a good night's sleep with all his kitties. <laughs> and then Daniel was promoted to the right hand of the king. Daniel was promoted to the right hand of King Darius, put in charge of everything. That was the second time. Second king. That happened three times. Three different kings took over the kingdom. And each time, Daniel had a start among everybody else in the group and ended up running the whole kingdom three times over. The same principle, worship. Say this, worship, worship. will deliver me from every circumstance. Say this, I can worship my way out of every problem. Again, I can worship myself. I can worship my way out of every problem. We see this over and over and over, right? In the scriptures. The importance of being alone with God and worship God. I know, folks, when things go wrong, they'll run from person to person, scatterbrained, totally come and glued, trying to find help. Don't do that. 
close your door. Get along with God. Pray and worship God. Worship God. Thank Him because He is your answer. He's your deliverer. He's your provider. Thank Him. Thank Him. Thank Him. Thank Him. Thank Him. Don't beg, 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 beg. God is on your side. Thank Him. He's fighting your battles for you. Say this. This battle belongs to the Lord. God is guiding me. He's ordering my steps. He has good things planned for me. Praise the Lord. And then worship Him. Lift your hands and say, I worship you, God. I praise you, God. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. The secret to Daniel's promotion, the secret to Daniel's success, the secret to Daniel's wisdom is that Daniel was a worshiper. Worshippers are blessed of God. Worshippers have a personal, close, intimate fellowship with God. Worshippers operate in God's wisdom and have God's understanding. God's understanding is the ability to grasp what to do when the pressure is on. Those with a spirit of understanding can help others make destiny-defining choices. Again, those with the spirit of understanding can help other people make destiny-defining decisions. During their challenging times, during times of transition, during times of pressure, those with wisdom can advise them with godly counsel. Understanding, you see, this is why. Because understanding God's wisdom gives somebody the ability to see the picture on the cover of the jigsaw puzzle box. Those who don't have it only see the piece of the jigsaw puzzle they stand on. But those who worship God see the picture on the box, and so they can advise somebody what direction to go in, what decision to take. Because God knows the beginning from the end. And when we worship God, we have His understanding. We have the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ comes by just spending time with God, worshiping God. Without understanding, one can only see the piece of the jigsaw puzzle they stand on. Daniel 12, verse 1. At that time, Michael, the archangel, the mighty angel of war, this is Daniel now, prophesying about our day, the end times, right here now, this very year. At that time, Michael shall stand up, the great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people. Say this, Michael is the archangel of war who oversees the children of God. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation. Now, here Daniel's prophesying that trouble is coming to this world such was never seen in any nation. Wow. Now, Jesus said the same thing in Matthew 24. Bible said the same thing in Revelation, written by John, the beloved. Bible said the same thing in Thessalonians by Paul. Jesus said, I said in Matthew 24 and many other places. He has Daniel prophesying that. But watch this. Don't get discouraged. Now watch this. There shall be trouble, a time of trouble such as never seen since there was a nation. But watch this. Even to that time. And at that time, your people, that's God's people, shall be delivered. Say this. God's people, we shall be delivered from that trouble. Now watch this. Everyone who is found written in the book of life. So that God is delivering me from whatever happens in the future because my name is in the book of life and I'm a worshiper. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, 
some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Say this, the soul winners shall shine like the stars through all eternity. So you're about to walk through heaven and spot a soul winner because there'll be like a bulb, a light bulb shining. But you, Daniel, shut up the books or shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro. So here Daniel prophesies that in the time of the end, many will run to and fro. And you see that now. Remember 120 years ago, we were all riding around on horses and chariots and walking. But today, people are driving everywhere and flying everywhere around the world. I mean, so many flights in the sky right now. You know, I don't know if you know this, but if all the planes in the air had landed, no place to park them. There'd be no place to park them. There's so many planes up in the sky. I think there's more in the sky than there are on the ground, much more. Right now, over America. People flying to and fro and driving to and fro all the time. The freeways are packed, right? All over America, all over the world. And it also says in the end times, it says knowledge shall increase. Knowledge shall increase. Well, there was a time when knowledge doubled every hundred, every thousand years, and then every hundred years, and then every fifty years. And last I heard was doubling every three and a half years. And now I heard somebody told me it's doubling every six months. So we can confirm that somewhere. But technology is um, advancing at an alarming rate. Right? It's amazing what they're discovering. So knowledge is definitely increasing. That was a prophecy then by Daniel. In the last days, knowledge shall increase. We know we're living in the end times. And this prophecy or this book is sealed until this time. Verse 9. And he said, go your way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed till the time of the end. Now we understand, Daniel, because now we can see what's going on. His words have come to pass. Many shall be purified, made white, and refined. That's talking about a worldwide revival. Many shall be purified. While there's a falling away, lukewarmness is falling away. There's only going to be on fire Christians left. Many shall be purified, made white, this revival, and refined. But the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand. But the wise shall understand. The wise shall understand. The wicked don't understand what's going on. They can only see the piece of their jigsaw puzzle. But they don't know the big picture. They don't know they're in deception. They don't know they're held captive by demons. They don't know that they're thinking the thoughts of demons. But we can see what's going on. We see the big picture on the cover of the box. We read the whole book, right? So what we learned from Daniel was mostly the power of worship. From David. From Esther. We've learned about the fact that God exalts and promotes those who worship Him. And delivers them from all challenges. Remember this, the greatest forces in existence are not physical forces, physical weapons. The greatest forces in existence are not mental. The greatest forces in existence are spiritual forces. Spiritual forces, love and hate. Love and hate are spiritual forces. Faith and fear are spiritual forces. Right now, demonic spirits and the spirit of Antichrist is using fear to try and drive the human race in a certain direction. To bring slavery, control, destroy our economies in the world. Fear is a powerful force. But faith neutralizes fear. The Lord told me two years ago, 
I want you to teach my people faith, 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 faith through this whole time. That's why I'm teaching so much on faith. Because God told me to. To encourage the hearts of the people. You see, love and hate, faith and fear, these forces are the forces that conquered kingdoms that we just read about the last few weeks. It's these are the forces that conquered kingdoms. Do you understand that, family? It wasn't swords and guns. 1 John 3, 14. We know that we have passed to life. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. Say that. The evidence of my salvation is that I love my brother in Christ. See that? We know that we have passed from death into eternal life because we love the brethren. He that does not love his brother abides in death. He that does not love his brother, God's spirit does not dwell in him. He exists in death. He will exist forever, but not in God's presence. He's not saved. You see, when God comes in, God is love. When God enters your heart, love enters your heart. How can I say that our God loves in me if I don't love anybody? Because God is love. Right? So, family of God, I want to say, I know there's been a lot of debate, a lot of debate about the um, vaccine. But whether people are, are vaccinated or not is immaterial to us as far as that's concerned. They are God's children, and we love them. We love everybody, whether they're vaccinated or not. We love everybody the same. We walk in love. We even have to love our enemies. Jesus said, love your enemies, do good to them that hate you and spitefully use you. Amen. And you know why he said that? It's for our protection. To keep us from bitterness, resentment, and unforgiveness. To protect our hearts. We love. Amen. So say this, I will walk in love, and I will walk in faith, and I will trust God, and I know He's on my side. No matter what the Antichrist is planning, God knew about it way ahead of time, put it in the Bible, and told me He will keep me, protect me, provide for me, through it all, and then come take me home in the rapture. Praise God. Hallelujah.